Welcome, this is Coppercast, a show dedicated to exploring the wonderful, if somewhat technical world of institutional investment in crypto assets. I'm your host, Tyler Kenyon, and our guest today is Yichin Wu. He is the CEO and founder of Tesseract Investment. Yichin grew up in a small coastal town of 6 million people in China. When he was 15, the family moved to Finland for pretty much the only reason anyone would have moved to Finland then, because his parents had senior roles at Nokia. Yichin studied finance at University of Finland before working for a few big American firms like BCG and Microsoft. And having worked in both the technology and finance sectors, there was a natural draw to cryptocurrencies, particularly on the infrastructure side, where both tech and finance worlds collide. Yichin, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, in your show and tell segment, which to our listeners, if you haven't seen, please go to our YouTube channel or you can find it on our socials and on our website. Um, you talked a little bit about the sort of existing lending landscape in, in crypto assets, uh, what it looks like. And you compare it a little bit to what institutional investors might expect to find from the traditional space and how, you know, we slash, you know, Tesseract and Copper, but Tesseract specifically is, is trying to make that more reality in the crypto space. So um, we've got a bit more space here to talk about it. Can you expand a little bit um, and just give a refresher on, on what that existing landscape is like and where we're headed to? Right. So, so if you think about how a traditional financial institution do the credit side of things, so lending, right? <clears throat> A fundamental element there is to you would have a counterparty credit risk analysis. You, so you need to understand who you're lending money to, what they're going to use it for, assess that risks, price it. That's basically what banks are paid for. Like they're literally paid to price that risk correctly. Now in crypto, that's a little bit difficult, uh, mostly because this as an industry is global by nature. And it's really, really hard to verify the information the other side provide you. So this credit counterparty credit risk as a discipline is really, really hard to replicate in crypto, probably due to its global nature as well as the fact that it's just not nearly as regulated and protected as a traditional side. So a, 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 a easy solution to that is basically, okay, uh, if, I don't, if I can't be sure who you are, but I want to lend money to you, why don't you just give me something that's worth more than the money that I'm lending you? Then, you know, if one day you decided to 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 disappear, uh, I don't really care in that case, right? Because I have collateral that's that's literally worth more than the amount of money I took out of my pocket to give it to you. Now, that the the that's basically a version of mortgages on the other side, right? It's basically the same thing. Like you have to take the house if I default. That's basically how it works. But this presents a unique problem in cryptocurrency lending because a lot of the folks who want to borrow money are professional institutional prop trading desks, right? And the prop trading desks, this doesn't make any sense for them whatsoever because in finance, it's all about capital efficiency. Like how much assets do you have and what return you can generate on that most efficiently? Whenever you give out collaterals, the cost of not being able to utilize that collateral like, hugely outweigh whatever the interest rate you're going to pay on it. This is traditionally done by basically what's known as margin lending that I explained earlier, specifically designed for hedge fund and traders. And it's, it's not a new thing. It's been around since like the 1940s. Uh, 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 the, the Americans started doing that. And, and it just makes a lot of sense. It's the same amount of risks for me as a lender because I take the collateral in terms of margin. Uh, and from the borrower's perspective, it just 
a lot better. You got you got you got a lot more capital to to work with, and then the interest rate, the true cost of borrowing, is often significantly less. Uh, when I first came into this industry, when I started dealing with institutional borrowing and lending, uh, we've we've just also we've just always wondered why this wasn't done. It seems somewhat obvious, right? <clears throat> as far like then 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 it took us a few years to 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 kind of get into the weeds of things to understand that it's 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 easier said than done. It's mm. it's tremendously tremendously difficult to replicate the structure in, in crypto for a simple reason that a cryptocurrency institutional landscape is insanely fragmented. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're like a large trader, uh, uh, you know, if you're like a Chicago based hedge fund, you, you deal with like what three, four exchanges on the planet and, you know, t- owned by two firms, uh, uh, own, owned by two parent companies that has the exact same infrastructure. You plug the things in, and there's a million other firms who can provide that integration service for you. And that is a prerequisite for you to do any sort of margin lending because you need to know what is happening where at all time. And that's the prerequisite for the margin lending thing to work. Now, considering the equivalent here, uh, uh, in, in crypto, you have like what? Like the last time I checked, there's like a couple hundred exchanges that people trades on. Another 30 custodians, depending on where you're from, and the, the legal structure, the framework, the, the documentation, it's just like insanely, insanely complicated to do. And more so, the, the, if I may say so, that uh, margin lending in terms of risk management, especially if you do it across uh, uh, trading venues, so if you look at, say, like seven different places and you have like 30 different things everywhere, uh, each one have a liquidity at all time, the order book flows around, to, to, to truly be able to do that risk engine well as a lender, it's also insanely difficult. It's, it's really, really not simple. It took like folks on the other side like decades to perfect that, right? So, so you need to have the right type of uh, competence to do this. And you're also willing to buckle down, do the tedious work. It's, 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 it's extremely annoying. How much of it is still manual as well? Because I imagine on like the traditional side, all of that is automated. Uh, or most of it, like so, to some extent, and in crypto, there's just too many exchanges. There's too many variables. So I mean, so that that is actually what we're trying to kind of overcome, right? So so we work with Copper. It's been a fantastic experience. It's great people, competent team. Uh, uh, so what what so we do the heavy lifting of plugging into every single exchange on the planet. So so the the, the my CTO is currently in a very rosy relationship with me just because I forced him to do that for nothing for two years. Uh, so, but that's done. The heavy lifting is done. And then now we're integrating with folks like Copper and other, you know, noted uh, regulated uh, custodians. We believe that with this kind of a hop and spot uh, a strategy that we've seen in airline, th- like we are the people who will basically automate the system. Mm-hmm. The, on the traditional side, the infrastructure has been around for 30, 40 years. So people take things for granted. But if you were to start from scratch, that's also going to take like tremendous amount of time. We just happen to be, uh, uh, we just happen to be, you know, the, 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 not a trailblazer, but we, we, we've seen how things were done elsewhere, but we're trailblazing the same thing in a, in an industry with a slightly, uh, with, with a drastically different backbone because then you have to work with the security side of thing, the custodians, the blockchain level things moving around. 
the some of the exchanges that we work uh, some of the exchanges we work with are you know you know they they're doing a fine job but they're not just not as established as New York Stock Exchange right so their infrastructure breaks down every once in a while so we need to take all of that complexity into consideration so it just becomes this gigantic mishmash of things where everything can go wrong and we as lender get paid to precisely make sure even if that goes wrong, the robustness by design of the system will overcome it. And that's that's what we're trying to do. So the in the traditional space, I mean, if it took 10, 20, up to 30 years to fine tune it, uh, I mean, people are, are fond of patting themselves on the back in crypto and saying, you know, everything that happens in crypto is a month, is a year in the traditional space or whatever. So how far away are we? in the crypto space from arriving at that point in traditional space? Um, I think for lack of word, like, you, you know how folks in our trade has been saying, you know, the institution money are coming, the institution yeah. are coming. Like I've heard it myself for at least like four or five years. Yeah. I don't really see that. Uh, and, and I think one of the reasons that some of the cryptocurrency company are growing <laughs> up to be, mature adults now, right? So they, they start to getting themselves regulated, uh, 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 treat things not as a tech project, but a finance thing. Like people take money very seriously. So so I think the level of professionalism is definitely getting there and it's moving the, the rate of improvement is drastically better than what you see elsewhere. But I think we're still very, very far away as from, from what is institutional acceptable. We're not even remotely close to that as, so, a, as, as an industry. Yeah. But it, it takes people, it takes folks like, uh, you know, the larger exchanges, some great custodians and service providers like us. We really need to bond together. Like each one of us need to step our own game in aggregation, then we will be acceptable. Great. So what do you think some of the, the biggest barriers are because I mean, for the last three years, people have talked yeah. about regulation. They've yeah. talked about infrastructure, which is something that you know obviously we work a lot on. Um, so, you know, what are you guys looking at as the next hurdle uh, towards towards what? more institutional adoption, towards more you know just acceptance or advancement of you know, technologies in the lending space, specifically in crypto? I mean, I mean, we we speak to to you know anybody from bank to a pension fund to uh to 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 the regulators at least on this side of the water uh uh, uh frequently and and i think and i think the the psychological familiarity of the asset class is getting better right because mm-hmm. you don't really need to explain to people oh yeah have you ever heard of this thing called bitcoin people don't really understand what it is but that's fine because most people don't understand what a gold future is either right so so that's definitely getting better uh, but in finance, it's a concept called uh, herding. So basically, it means that you can imagine, like you can basically think of as as in uh, people people behave like sheep. So you are waiting for the first sheep to do something, and the herd will follow. Uh, what we're really looking for, I think, what will really make a breakthrough for this is one of the bigger boys in the traditional side actually do something. Not that, hey, I have a blockchain team looking at random stuff or JP Morgan opened a bank account for Coinbase. Like no one really cares about that sort of thing. It's great. We're making stride, but that's not enough. What we really need to do is that we need to have a tier one allocator of some sort actually taking this asset class seriously 
put down some actual allocation, the rest all will follow. Well, I mean, what constitutes actual allocation? Uh, I, I asked because, you know, the media went a bit frothy when Paul Tudor Jones said he had, you know, maybe up to 2% in, in Bitcoin futures or something like that. So are you, are you thinking a bigger allocation than that or uh, it's or just uh, more people like that doing I, it? I, I don't think it's necessarily... So so there are a couple of things. A, a, a billionaire type of... Like, if Elon Musk put half of his money into crypto, it doesn't actually really help the case. The folks that we really need to convince here are the folks who are in the system, in the incubants of some sort, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we've seen the we've seen a lot of uh, introduction of like, for example, tracker funds. I mean, GTBC from Grayscale, you know, great products. It's 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 very American centric, right? For European investor, it doesn't make any sense, but for for the Americans, it does. It's a tax saving. It's a like tax planning wise, it's very great, right? Okay, good for them. Uh, we need like. We, we need one of the larger institutions and not like a person. A larger institution, say, if Fidelity tomorrow actually tell their clients like, hey, we take this asset class seriously, not in terms of newsletter, but we actually have a product. And then they go to a university endowment fund and pitch that as Fidelity. That would change a lot of things. We, we can model in this swimming pool as much as as much as we want. We can think of like one day we'll build a like channel between the swimming pool and the ocean. Something needs to happen on the deeper end of water. That's when things start to move. And is that, I mean, that must be held back in a lot of places by a lack of regulatory clarity, right? Like, I mean, if the SEC actually gave an approval for an ETF, for instance, that would presumably open the floodgates. Everyone assumes it would. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 I think that's like technically correct. Uh, and what well, it is actually factually correct. But, uh, but I think what often people uh, uh, forget is that it's not that regulators are slow. Regulators, their job is to be careful. Careful does, does rarely comes with rushed actions, right? So if you take a historical uh, context, uh, the last time, the last time that SEC in United States actually approved one of those uh, uh, truly new asset class, right? let's take like gold ETF, for example, right? Let's take ETF as an example. Uh, from the first application that was set, put on the table until the day that it was actually completed, it takes a little bit over eight and a half years. And if you go back in history, you will see it's roughly around eight to 10 years for SEC to, to, to kind of first take a proposal, have a look how the industry developed, to see how the players changes over time, because they can't take a decision harsh, uh, harshly on a specific point in time in terms of information. You want to see that trend, right? I think this year is, what, like sixth year from when Bitwise first put mm-hmm. up the first uh, uh, application. application yeah. So we're, we're getting there. It's <laughs> a his- in historical context, right, I understand in crypto things are moving a lot faster, but a lot of times we need to adapt to the environment and not like not hoping the whole universe would, would, would fold around whatever we want the shape to be. So I think one of the, the biggest criticisms that the SEC had you know, historically was that there's too much evidence or there was too much alleged evidence of price manipulation in, in BTC markets. As, I, I mean, as a lender, when you're evaluating risk and everything like that, I mean, this must be top of mind. How, how do you approach that criticism of the market and like, how do you balance that risk? 
Yeah, so price manipulation is something that we actually follow very closely. And, and on that particular point, I do agree with, uh, I actually do agree with the regulators. What, uh, if you take like a five-year view, uh, the price manipulation are tremendously prominent mm-hmm. in some of even the largest exchanges on the planet. And that makes sense because um, because uh, uh, folks in capital market are there to, a lot of them just to make money, right? Like nothing wrong with that. Uh, uh, and in an unregulated place, if you give a people the opportunity to do something without consequences to make more money, then the basic economic rationalism will determine those people will do exactly that. So in lack of regulation, that's what happens. Another thing that the regulator has been continuously uh, 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 saying to, for example, Bitwise in terms of the, the price manipulation is that one of the reasons is that the, the derivative market for this particular asset class are underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. The reason you want the derivative market to be mature before you let anything go into prime time, so to speak, is that Derivatives are a way f- effectively for people to take the short position against something, right? So it doesn't make sense to have a market where tremendous amount of buying power are stacked on one side of the table because then what you have is that you have like a stupid amount of volatility, right? The, 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 the market lacks a efficient mechanism to self-correct itself. So, so, so... So, so one of the criticism that keeps coming back is that, well, the derivative market is not mature and it still really isn't, but it's getting better. Like, you know, with folks like Deribits, uh, which, which, you know, both us and Copper are working closely with, like great guys, very, very, very qualified professional folks. Uh, uh, you know, with a few more of those, give them a few more years. I think we're getting very close. The derivative markets matures, regulatory landscape matures. If that's like a, a three to five year time frame. At least. Okay. So five year, five to ten year time frame. Yep. Um, what does Tesseract look like five years from now? Right. So um so if you look at if you look at um all the 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 quote unquote uh, uh prominent firms in our industry, uh there's basically uh uh what everyone's trying to do is that almost everyone's trying to be a full-fledged, full-service financial institutions, right? And this is what we've seen banking as a sector have gone through in the past 20 years until legislation came out and said, hey, that doesn't make any sense. We can't let you self-regulate itself, start chopping them into pieces, right? You, then you, you see the segregation between like retail banking and investment banking after the financial crisis with... Uh, uh, dot frank and all of that so 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 it goes into this kind of cycles if you look at for example coinbase right coinbase pretty much have their finger dipped in every single piece possible uh, binance when i talk to their strategy folks it's the same thing so they want to be an all-encompassing uh, uh, player they want to eat everything that they could which is great like if you have the cash flow you have the breath if you have the managerial bandwidth to do that, great. Uh, I think for us, uh, uh, I think for us, what we want to do is that we want to carefully evaluate in long run what are the things that we can do, no one else can. Therefore, we have a sustainable competitive advantage going forward. 
and kind of the risk engine, the lending, the deeper understanding of what traders and borrowers want are something that, despite our modest size compared to say Coinbase and those type of folks, we really do think we do, we have advantage. Like we've done this as long as anybody on this planet. Like we started doing this when Genesis Capital started doing it, and we did it way before BlockFi was a thing, right? Uh, so we we and which is why consciously we choose, for example, not to have a retail presence, right? Because like we want to be the institutional backbone infrastructure for a lot of things, in the same way that you like copper is going for, right? Like institutional clients where things make sense, where you can do things better than the other because A, B, C, therefore you go for it. So in five to five to 10 years, uh, we don't really want to be, like there's no reason to be the biggest. It's not an ego contest, right? Or at least I don't want to participate in that type of a race. It doesn't make any sense. It's not about how much money or how much AUM you have. It's really not. It's about how do you run a lean and mean organization that can do things the most efficiently way the possible. Like I'm a guy who gone for efficiency, right? I'd much rather be the Navy SEALs than a regular infantry, despite, you know, you can't conquer a country with a SEAL team. You do that with a Marine infantry regiment, right? But like, that's, that's the type of firm we want to be. We want to be extremely good at what we do. And then we want to be the absolute global leader in this, which is one of the reasons why, you know, working together, we launched this margin landing thing. As far as we know, we're the only one on the planet who can do this. What's it been like growing the company? Because, I mean, comp- uh, Tesla's been around for a little while. Um, but moving from strength to strength, obviously there's growing pains in every company. As the CEO, I mean, what kind of challenges have you have you seen, you know, within the company, within the industry that you've had to face? Uh, even in the last year, I mean, this 2020 has been insane. I think uh, I think our challenges are multiple-fold. So, um, like, I... I studied finance uh, uh, as a, as a, in a university, and then you know half of my classmates went to London, New York to do you know banking in bulge brackets. Uh, I think one of the largest challenges that we have faced in is that uh, there are just not enough people with high enough caliber that I would take into my firm. The the uh, the, the general crypto finance. Talent pool. Talent pool is limited, limited, and and uh, and the specific skill sets we're looking for are even more so. Right. Is that changing though? <laughs> I mean, it must be because, I mean, even in the last like six months, the conversations we've been having with people coming into the field are the quality of the conversation is just drastically different from two years ago. It's getting significantly better, mostly because, you know, people start to take this thing more seriously, right? Like if you're the garage band of the world, then it's less likely for the best drummer in town to come to join you. But once you start playing stadium gigs, they will show up at your door. It is getting better, but I feel I feel like compared to what I've seen in some of the other places where I worked at, the, the, the candidates that are lined up at your door are of different caliber. Mm. And that, I think, in general, it's a limitation on the industry as a whole. I think as an industry, collectively, we need to appear better as an employer to attract talents because where are you going to go without, you know, bright people? It's. I mean, it strikes me as a little bit, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It strikes me as a bit strange that because we work in an industry that is 
so exciting in, I mean, things change on a nearly daily basis. There's so much opportunity to build products, whether they reflect things that exist in the traditional space or whether they're completely new. I mean, why doesn't that excite everyone? Why is it just us? Uh, because, because I think on the back of that, when you have a very dynamic, fast-paced industry that's unrelated and so close to the capital market, things also get very dirty and very messy. Mm. The amount of scandals, shenanigans that has happened in our industry is also unmatched, right? So, so, so I've had numerous uh, a great candidate that shows up at my door. We had a conversation and everything. A lot of them, their largest concern is that, you know, I work for, you know, before this, I worked for Morgan Stanley for this amount of year. I worked for Goldman for this amount of years. Uh, this looks tremendously industry, in, interesting. But I'm wondering, if I come work for you for like two, three years, sing, and I leave for whatever reason, how would the next guy look at me on my CV? It's, you know, some crypto company. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a decent chance if they are on the traditional side of finance, they will look at this like, ah, you know, scam, right, you drug money, yeah. whatever, right? People don't understand things they don't understand, and they, they tend to paint it as black as they can. This has been really educational even for me, like for me, for, for our whole team. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. If you don't mind, there's um, a series of questions we ask everyone. Sure. We can just run through them. They're meant to be fun, so. Is this a lightning round? Yeah, basically it's a lightning round, but sometimes people take a bit longer, whatever. It's cool. Sure. <laughs> um, we, yeah, yeah. I'll be brief. <laughs> um, we've kind of covered where we, where we think we'll see the industry in the next year versus 10 years, so we'll skip that one. Um, if there's one thing you could change about our industry, what would it be? perception like perception to people outside this bubble like that's that's i think that's where the educational effort are currently put into and i think that's the biggest hurdle and is that the perception of like crypto everyone but of of crypto so but towards everyone or is it towards the institutional finance community is it towards um i think i think i think uh it's not necessarily everyone right but because like I think most people don't understand how actually finance work in general, but say uh, the regulator's perspective mm-hmm. is important, the traditional side is important, because for this thing to go anywhere, unless unless you want to go for like the hardcore anarchist route, which I also see the ideological ide- ideological appeal of that, uh, you gotta have to work with the folks on the other side, if uh, on the in finance, I mean. Yeah. Is there one piece of technology that you couldn't live without? Uh, in crypto? Or? No, I mean in your life. Like, what's what's the technology that if you didn't have anymore, you'd give it all up? Uh, one-way hash function encryption. <laughs> that is very specific. Yeah, because okay. because I think what, what most people don't understand is that basically everything that we do on a computer screen, let it be a cryptocurrency transaction or uh, paying something for credit card, the encryption algorithm is actually just a different variation of the same thing. Uh, uh, and and then that, that goes much, that goes much deeper than that. Like our cell phone signal is, is, is encrypted in the same way. Uh, uh, you know, all the stuff that's floating around data center is, is, is encrypted in the same way. So basically, if you take this one thing off, the entire universe of what's known as modern technology, IT-based technology, they die, all of it. Your entire internet would die. 
Don't scare me. Yeah. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, where else are you going to get your cat pictures? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, and, and just to add on to that, you can cut that later, but uh, why that actually is important is because uh, quantum computing as a whole uh, uh, poses a threat to that. So if quantum computing uh, progresses in X amount of time, eventually the first application is basically destroy encryption that we do as a concept right now, and that will have catastrophic consequences if someone actually figured that out. A lot of things break. Is, is, the only, is the only hope <laughs> in that case that whoever discovers that, that quantum computing leap is a good guy and comes up with a better way for uh, quantum encryption? No, because, uh, because, because I think the only way to do... Th- this, is, this is a classic case in which uh, in, 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 weapon, in, weapon, in weapon R&D, uh, weaponry R&D, so what you have is you have the, the, the armor-piercing round guy versus the armor guy, right? Mm-hmm. It's about stepping up the game all the time. And uh, at any given point in time, one side will have advantage. So at this specific moment, the encryption side, the defensive mechanism is stronger than the brute force that anyone can throw at it. Quantum computing can, can be the next level uh, 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 AP runs that can just pierce through this. But that, does, that doesn't mean it's the end of the day, right? Because I feel like the human ingenuity will just come up with a quantum computing proved encryption mechanism and then we go from there. Okay. Before we get there, <laughs> let's dial it back and hopefully not scare me as much. Um, what do you do on your weekends? What What is time off for Tesseract CEO look like? Do you get time off? Uh, I, I, I try my very best. Uh, I, I do spend quite a bit of time working, uh, to be honest. Um, but uh, exercise and uh, as, as anyone else do. Is that like uh, a gym thing or a hiking thing? Uh, I... I uh, I've been making fun of my friends for 10 years for doing CrossFit. <laughs> and then my jokes are getting really, really old. The material started running out of material. So as of beginning of this year, I actually started doing CrossFit myself to collect some of my new, new materials. So, so I do that. But have sort you of been thing. converted then? Are you? Uh, it's it's, uh, it's I, a church, basically, uh, isn't it? It's, it's a cult. <laughs> uh, I like it because it's the most efficient way to exercise if you're busy. Okay. Like I don't necessarily like it. I don't think it's fun at all. Uh, but it's uh, it's efficient. It gets the job done. It's like uh, it's the like capital air- efficiency of exercise. Yeah, it's like airline food. Like <laughs> it's, it's it's not great, but then it's the most efficient way to stuff yourself on a on. Serves a purpose. Yeah, it has a purpose. Okay. Um, do you have any catchphrases or mottos that you live by? Yeah, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Hmm. You know where that's from? No, it's part of the Dev Guru uh, motto. Ah, yeah. Cool. Um, who should we all follow on Twitter? Oh man, such a cesspool. Uh, <laughs> on Twitter, uh, I mean, you can shamelessly self-plug Tesseract if you want. Uh, I I don't believe we are the single most interesting one to follow, but uh, for pure entertainment purposes, for twenty twenty, the most entertaining one is actually the forty seventh president of the United States. <laughs> Bold statement, yeah. I mean, for yeah, entertainment sure. purposes, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, for reality show, a reality TV show. I think is great content. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what was the last thing that surprised you? The last thing that actually surprises me, like at least when it comes to work, and and I and I and I say this with great 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 pride, is that uh, us as a cryptocurrency firm, 
actually convinced the largest, most conservative commercial bank in this country to give us a million euro loan. We don't need the money, but the point is to do it just to to prove to people we can. Because well, banks first of all they hate people in this industry, right? It's a, it's a threat, and then uh, in order for you to take a loan from a bank, you need to be one cleared of all regulatory hurdles. Two, you have to be profitable, which is extremely rare for a VC funded company of our age. It just doesn't ne- just never happens. Uh, so so. We like I did it. Uh, we we started doing it because I want to prove to myself that it's possible, and the people on the other side are reasonable enough to do it. But I think I probably assigned a fifteen to twenty percent success rate. Uh, but we actually managed to pull it off, which is why well, it's not. It's I mean, it's not super impressive for a company to take out a loan. But I think in our industry, it's like it next is. to freaking impossible. I think we'll probably edit in some applause here. I think that's definitely <laughs> worthy. <laughs> really it doesn't cool. happen, right? Yeah. Like we we had a chat with Coinbase folks, and we told them they were like, "What? How did you pull that off?" I'm getting banking. It's of any yeah, anything is difficult. It's hard in our industry, I mean, yeah. and this is not like a, a random banking like Malta that you've never heard of. This is the largest bank in this country, which is like the most conservative part of Europe. Yeah. It's insane. Cool. Um, two more questions. Who who should we have as the next guest on our show? Uh, I'll make it easier. Dead or alive? Uh, crypto person or anybody? Sure, anybody. Mark Twain. Hmm. Yeah, I, cool. I I mean, he's a funny guy. I like to have a I like to have a conversation with him one day. So I think he can. Uh, he can he can he can shed a lot of values and then um i'd love to know what he thinks of our industry yeah 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 uh don't think he'd be a fan but <laughs> who knows and then uh who else yeah i think okay. i think i i i'd had i ha- i i'd have a drink with that guy he's uh i, I think he's uh as a more than a more than a, a extremely Talented writer. He's also adventurer, travel world traveler. Uh, uh, just a lot of things that I admire too, and a lot of things that I do myself. Him so, and Hemingway. We'll get them around the table next yeah, time. Yeah, it would be an awesome, uh, awesome night to just spend <laughs> a night drinking with those folks. Cool. Okay, yeah. so last question: If if you somehow managed to meet Satoshi, yeah, whoever he, him, she, her, whatever they are, yeah. what would be the first question you ask them? I would actually ask this person. Uh, with the wisdom of hindsight, how would you have done it differently, or would you? Funny, funny fact regarding Satoshi. Satoshi only ever had one teammate ever uh, in two thousand eight, and that's a Finnish guy. It's a dear friend of mine. So he's the only person on earth who has actually worked on the first version of Bitcoin protocol. Is actually a Finnish engineer. A really, really, really engineer engineer a great guy uh, i actually took him to a road show in china and then they felt felt like stadium size thing to see the only person that had actually worked with satoshi that's cool yeah uh, so his name is uh marty malami and uh i can't believe you didn't suggest him as our next guest on the show <laughs> let's, right, let's call right, him right, right now <laughs> 
<laughs> right, right, right. I that I mean, if you if you want, I can definitely get him. He he's a he's a, a very influential person in the community. Like cool. everybody knows who he is. Cool, yeah. Eugene. Um, it's been great having you on. Uh, it's been informative. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We definitely did. Pleasure is all mine. Thank we'll, you so much for we'll speak time. again soon. Thanks very Let's much. Let's do it. Thank Bye. you. Cheers. To our listeners, if you haven't already seen Yichin's show and tell video, please go to our YouTube page. It's at Copper HQ or find it on Twitter or on the website, copper.co forward slash insights. There you can also sign up for our newsletter, which goes out every Monday morning and includes links to all the week's top stories, as well as any updates from the wider team at Copper. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please make sure to give us a good review on whichever streaming platform you're using. And if you want to get in touch, you can always reach me, Tyler, on Twitter at CryptoTSK, or you can email me directly, tyler.kenyon at copper.co. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or if you know someone who should be please give us a shout we're here to talk all things institutional crypto this show is only made possible because of the technical and creative wizardry of ben silvertown tally spear with support from melee malfort and eva lila new episodes will be coming out fortnightly and in the meantime stay safe